This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message. 14. You know, and this is speaking to fruitfulness. Boy, it could be anything for you in particular, whatever it is. You need God to move in certain areas of your life to do the impossible. This is your opportunity to ask. You know, uh, the Bible says, He that names the Lord must not be silent. That's Isaiah. He said, Whoever names the Lord must not be silent. It means whatever request you have, you bring it to the Lord in prayer. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 13, it says, He will love you and bless you. And he will give you many children. He will give you fertility. He will give fertility to your land and your animals. When you arrive in the land, he swore to give your ancestors. You will have large harvests of grain, of new wine, of olive oil, and great herds of cattle, sheep, and goats. Verse 14. It says you will be blessed above all the nations of the earth. None of your men or women will be childless. And all your livestock will bear young. What he's saying very simply is you will be fruitful. Okay, this section got the, the garden. He's saying that I will be fruitful. You can just say amen for me to be fruitful. Hallelujah. He's saying you will be fruitful. That's all he's saying. I want you to pray today. I don't know what that irreversible situation is. It could be a diagnosis. It could be something doctors have said to you. Say, oh, no, your learning ability is down here. You cannot achieve excellence in this area. Whatever it is, the one that created you is the one that has the final say. Oh, you, you, you didn't hear me. I said the God that created you is the one that has the final say over your life. In the name of Jesus. I want you to pray and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, reverse the irreversible in my case, in my situation, in my body, in my family, in my finances. Go ahead and just pray. Ask of the Lord. Ask of the Lord. He says, He will love on you and He will bless you. He will bless you and you will be blessed above all the nations of the earth. In the name of Jesus, oh Father, in the name of Jesus, we believe your word, we bring your word to you this morning. And Lord, I pray that you will do the impossible. You will do the impossible in the name of Jesus. Men may have given up on me. Other systems may have given up on me. But Lord, we know you are the one that can reverse the irreversible. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Jehovah. We give you praise and we give you glory. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Father, we thank you because you are the all and the mighty God. Lord, especially for those that are trusting you for the fruit of the womb. Jehovah, I pray that you will hear them from above. In the mighty name of Jesus. That doctors may have seen what they have seen and they have said, 
what they have said. But Lord, you have the final say. You have the final word. You have the final authority over our lives and over our bodies. Lord, have your way, O oh God, and let your will be done in the name of Jesus. Father, speak to us this morning and make known unto us your word in Jesus' precious name. Amen. If you believe it, shout a loud hallelujah. Amen. You may please be seated. You may please be seated. You know, uh, today I'll be talking about what I have simply titled Spiritual Farming. Spiritual Farming. I sincerely believe the church is going through this. And when I say the church, I don't mean Salvation Center. I mean this in general. And that's why, you know, it's amazing how our co-pastor picked up on that and started talking about all of the things that she led us to pray about today. You know, there, there's no, there's really no appetite, you know, for evangelism anymore. You know, we just live our lives and we look at people and say, oh, look at all these people, they are going to hell. You know, we judge and that, that, that's, that's about it. We don't tell them the message, the gospel that we have received that have transformed our lives. You know, so when we talk about spiritual farming, uh, what am I talking about here? What I'm talking about here is simply a state of spiritual hunger or malnutrition as a result of failure to experience the presence of God and the joy of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Too many people today are just going with the flow. You know, we, we're just going with the flow. We come to church, we do as we do, and then we go as we go. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, but for there to be a change, one of the things that needs to happen is that we must recognize our state of nutrition spiritually. Amen? When I'm malnourished, then I can seek ways to receive nutrients. But I'm not going to jump ahead of myself. Some of the signs and the symptoms of spiritual farming that we see today is a lack of interest in spiritual things. Amen? We see hearts that are overwhelmed with worldliness. Covetousness is the order of the day. There's lack of joy of the Holy Spirit. You know, you say, how does this reflect in life? Mention evangelism. You know, there, there should be such a burden, a sorrow that is weighing on our hearts when we see people that we know are going in the wrong direction. Let me ask you a hypothetical question. You drove and somehow you managed to know that at the end of that road is a ditch. And then you turned around. And then you see other people going and driving towards that cliff. Would you caution them? Would you say, hey, danger, stop, stop. There's a cliff down that road. Don't go there. There's a cliff. But for us today, 
we just look at them and we shake our heads. Oh, what a shame. It's going to go fall into the, it's going to die. It's going to fall over the cliff. Bible study is not relevant to many today. Prayer is at the bottom of the list if it exists at all. People have no interest in these things. But if we say let's plan fun activities, let's have a party, you see enthusiasm and excitement. When we talk about sports, it's Arsenal. Man, you. Everybody's keeping a straight face. Say, he's not talking about me. I'm talking about you. <laughs> you know, when we talk about sports or even football, soccer, whatever it is, basketball, I don't even know what's in season right now. I think football is in season. Football and baseball is in season now. You know, one of the things that has not ceased to interest me, you know, it's amazing to me, if you talk about the Super Bowl of the year 2001, for example, I'm just speaking the date. 2001 Super Bowl, some people can tell you the, the, the teams that played in the finals. They can tell you who the quarterback was, you know, and how the game was lost. But we cannot tell somebody else about the saving grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If we talk money, many people get excited about money. But we cannot talk about the saving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. First John chapter 2, you read from 15 to 17. First John chapter 2, 15 to 17. It said, do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. It means, what, what it means there is when you are consumed by the things of this world, it's saying the love of the Father is not in you. If you are going to be honest with yourself and you ask yourself the question, what is the singular most important thing in your life today? That will begin to reveal to you what your interests are. Verse 16. He said, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure. A craving for everything we see. And a pride in our achievements and possessions. You know, we brag about the stuff we have accomplished. Not bad in itself, ordinarily. We brag about the cars we drive, the homes we live in, and the neighborhood where you live. So we size ourselves up. Can I even be friends with you? Do you live in my neighborhood? He said, these are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world, watch this, watch this, stay with me please. It says, and this world is fading away. It's fading away with everything in it. Everything you can see with your naked eyes, everything you can see 
is going to be destroyed. Everything. Everything without exception. Why? Because the Bible talks about a new heaven and a new earth. If there's a new one, it means this current one will go away. It will pass away. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. The Lord will help us in the name of Jesus. The Bible actually predicts that uh, there will be spiritual famine. In Amos chapter 8, 11, and 12, Amos 8, 11, and 12, says the time is surely coming, says the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine on the land. Not a famine of bread or water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. People will stagger from sea to sea and wander from border to border, searching for the word of the Lord but they will not find it. But let me put this in perspective for you. You might say, oh, there's no dirt of the word of God right now. That is true. But if that word is not having influence on your life, you might as well be living in a patch land when it comes to the word of God. Praise the Lord. We see an example of this in scripture. In 4 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. The Bible says, Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. There was a season that God himself withdrew from his people. If the word is preached and you cannot receive it, then it's as though the word is not available to you. Spiritual, spiritual firming results when the spirit of God withdraws from a person. David understood this very well. And that's why he pleaded with God. He cried to God in Psalm 51 verse 11. Psalm 51 verse 11. He said, do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Because he understood what happens if the Holy Spirit withdraws from a person. The Holy Spirit is a gentle spirit. When something is compelling you to do stuff, is very unlike the Holy Spirit. You feel a compulsion, obsessive compulsive behavior. It's not the Holy Ghost. The Bible talks about a small, still voice. If your heart is not stayed on him, you cannot hear him. You are not hearing, not because he's not speaking, but because you are encumbered with a on of worldliness. Loads of worldliness. Even the things we do in the name of God, we're doing really for ourselves to make a name for ourselves. 
Moses, uh, uh, David cried to God. said, do not banish me from your presence. And don't take your Holy Spirit from me. It's a cry for help. He's saying, Lord, I cannot do this on my own. I cannot do this on my own. I realize that this world is fading away. And everything in it, everything, the craving in this world, everything is passing away. It's passing away. What causes spiritual famine? What causes spiritual famine? Number one is sin. And <laughs> this is a point that Co-Pastor made earlier. You know, I'm still bombed till today. Every time I hear people that don't know Christ say one of the reasons they don't want to accept Christ is because of the holier-than-thou attitude of Christians. You know, we must not have understood the message that we have heard. We must not have understood what Jesus did for us. Because Jesus himself said, a healthy person does not need a doctor. He said, I did not come for healthy people. I came for those that are sick. Watch this. Luke chapter 5, 31 and 32. Luke 5, 31 and 32. Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Sick people need a doctor. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. So if I'm in Christ today, what it means to begin with is at some point I recognize my unrighteousness. I recognize that I was sick and I needed help. And now that it's healed me, I shouldn't go back and, uh, how do they say, look down my nose down on the people and say, all these, all these sinners, all these adulterers and homosexuals, they are going to hellfire, hellfire. The Bible says, we ourselves, we were alien to the commonwealth of God. We were aliens until he saved us and rescued us. I think the fact that we have been saved and rescued from that sure damnation should cause us to have empathy for those that are still there. Knowing what you used to go through, knowing what you used to suffer, I praise the Lord. But now you know better. Now you have Jesus. When you see those that are struggling, for one, it should cause you to pray. And say, Father, this soul must not be lost. This fellow, this fellow, the steps they are taking, the direction they are going, at the rate they are going, they are not going to make it. But Lord, you are the one that can reverse the irreversible. You can arise and save them. And save them. That is our duty. That is the call. First, uh, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Praise the Lord. It says, that, I mean, verse 18 actually, it says, God has called you and I to the ministry of reconciliation. He has called us to reconcile the world back to Christ. Now that I am saved, my duty, my responsibility, 
as I continue to know him and walk with him, my duty is to tell others about it and help them find Jesus. Amen? Well, let's read the old King James on this one. Let me repent and go back to King James. <laughs> it says this, huh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, they are not working with me this morning. Let's continue. Sin. Okay, we got it. Okay. He said, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us. Somebody say, I have been given. The ministry of reconciliation. What's your name, my brother? Richard. So if I say minister Richard, don't say, no, 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 no. That's not means for, no, no, no. Because you have a ministry. You have a call. You have a calling. He says he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So we are all ministers of God. We are all ministers of God. In the church, when we talk about ministers, the, what we're doing is we're talking about administrative structure. But in the eyes of God, we don't have big men and small men. There's no little men and great men. We are children of God. Have you seen an adult of God before? <laughs> oh, by the way, we are the adults of God. <laughs> I think I'm double qualified for... <laughs> you know, so... One of, one of the reasons why that bombs me so much is when you read the Bible. When you read the Bible, many people think... The, the, when, you, the, when they think about the Bible, especially the fact that it's called the Holy Bible, the Bible is not all about holy people. There were good intention, nice people that did terrible stuff. You know the story of David. He saw a woman bathing and said, get her for me. They said, oh, by the way, she's the wife of this one. He said, Are you, did you not hear what I said? I'm going to bring her for me. Slept with her, made her pregnant, and then tried to kill the husband. Tried to get the husband killed. He didn't get killed. Then he really set him up that the man died and then took the wife on. The stories in the Bible are stories about terrible people that were offered grace and mercy and their lives were transformed. Moses, when God, God called Moses, Moses murderer, he killed somebody. Yeah. He went by the field and he saw that officer harassing one of the Jews, killed the guy, and then he escaped. When God finally got around to call, he said, okay, I think you have learned your lesson. And God appeared to him. He said, God said, you have to go back. He said, no, I, I'm not going on. Is that if you have not noticed, I know you are God, but maybe you missed the memo on this one. I'm a stammerer. I can't even form a sentence. Go and do, 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 do. God said, go. I will be with your mouth. Argued with God. Argued with God. Married from where he was not supposed to marry. The stories of the Bible are redemption stories. They are not stories of perfect people. The only perfect person in the scripture is Jesus that was born without sin. 
So where that idea came from of holier than thou is still a mystery to me. Because the stories of the Bible are just not like that. Paul was a persecutor of the church before he was saved. Rahab was a prostitute. David came from that lineage. Jesus came from that lineage. So how the world can conclude that we have our nose in the air and we are holier than thou, I don't know. We must not have represented Christ well. That's the point I'm making here. But our sin can separate us and will separate us from God. Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3, when they disobeyed, they thought it was going to be physical death. But it was spiritual death. It was a separation from God. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 2. Isaiah 59 verse 2. It says, it is your sins that have cut you off from God. So sin will cut you off from God. We're talking about causes, where it comes from. It will cut you off from God because of your sins. He has turned away and will not listen anymore. Sin causes spiritual apathy and spiritual nonchalance. He said there's Bible studies. Uh, I don't have time. Can I tell you something? The day you find one person like this, please let me know. The day you find someone that has more than 24 hours, please let me know. I need to talk to the person. We all have 24 hours. So when someone says to you, I'm busy, it's a statement of value. What they are saying is what you are offering is not as valuable as the other thing that they want to do. Amen? Amen. It's life is about priority, prioritizing what is important, what is of value. We have Bible study on Tuesday. It's like a tenth of the people here that are present. We have a prayer on Friday. Actually, nobody shows up for that one. Sin will separate us from God. Unbelief. We're talking about causes of spiritual famine. Unbelief. You know, after I wrote this down, I stopped to meditate on it myself. This is original. So if you quote it, make sure you put my name. <laughs> Watch this. Unbelief significantly impacts on behavior. In other words, our actions and expectations are reflections of what we believe and our perceived reality. Amen? Amen? The things you do and how you do, when you do, all of that is just a reflection of your belief system. Or unbelief. <laughs> and it informs your actions or inactions. Amen? Amen? Mark 6, verse 5. Mark 6, verse 5. And the Bible says, And because of their unbelief, he could not do any miracles amongst them, except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Wait. This is God. This is Jesus. 
This is Jesus. The Bible says because they didn't believe, Jesus could not do much for them. Amen? So the fact that I'm not having experience, I'm not experiencing the supernatural, I'm not experiencing the move of God, is not because it is impossible, it is because of my unbelief. My unbelief. My unbelief. All things are possible to them that believe. That's what the scripture says. In Acts 28, 25 to 28, Acts 28, 25 to 28, says, and after, that, after they had argued back and forth amongst themselves, they left with the final, this final word from Paul. The Holy Spirit was right when he said to your ancestors through Isaiah the prophet, go and say to these people, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. Why? Because of your unbelief. He said you will not understand it, not because it's difficult to understand, but because you have not accepted the basics. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend it. Verse 27, for the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes. So their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear. And their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. So, I want you to know that this salvation from God has also been offered to the Gentiles, and they will accept it. Say, so God is bypassing you, and God is moving on. That is how you and I have been connected to the gospel. Praise the Lord. Number three, I think we have talked about this already. It's worldliness, causes of uh, spiritual famine. Worldliness. When all you think about is what shall we eat, what shall we drink, and all of this, and this, and that, and that. Matthew 6, 33. It says, when you, a few verses prior to that, it says, these are the kind of stuff that unbelievers run after. It says, your father... Your father in heaven, he knows you have need of these things and he will give them to you. You have never seen or heard of a bird that dropped from the sky because of hunger. The bird is just flying. And he was just so hungry. He passed out out of exhaustion. It never happens. Somehow, God feeds them. They don't plant, they don't harvest, they don't do none of that. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 2 say why spend your money on food that does not give you strength why pay for food that doesn't uh, that does you no good listen to me and you will eat what is good you will enjoy the finest food brethren think about your investments in life uh, let me let me do a quick, quick promo for our upcoming program, To Have and To Hold. An average person here for college, Rose, help me out. How much did you spend for college? Student loan, everything combined? Huh? 
40, something like that, 40,000. Dr. Kemi told us last week, by the time she finished, she had a loan of over $150,000. We make investments in those things that are important to us. How many of us, how many of us have ever paid, say, I, I want to go do a course on marriage? And you sign up for a two-year course and pay $20,000. I need to study marriage so that I can be successful. Nobody. Even I didn't do it. And we are wondering why marriages are failing. It's because you have, you have not been informed enough. You know, you just go by what you think. Okay, this is how my daddy did it. So that's what I'm going to do. If I was going by that, you know, I should be on my fourth wife by now. <laughs> But that's not practical. <laughs> you know? And I'm a child of God, so I'm not going to do that. You know? Invest in your marriage. How much is registration? $90. For the couple. Can we increase it? <laughs> no, $90 is nothing. Invest in your own marriage relationship. You have degrees, you know, you are a medical doctor, MPFGH, RSTUV. <laughs> I'm just making up stuff now. FAMD and all of those things, BSN, RN. You, you, you spent good money to get those degrees. And you are a missus or missus. Invest in that. Invest in that so we can have good success. We're talking about causes of uh, causes of spiritual farming. Number four, and I'll stop. Uh, number four, and then I'll rush through the balance. Uh, Self-satisfaction. It is possible. Watch this. It's possible for you to be well nourished, right? Well nourished, well fed physically, but spiritually famished. Part of the problem we have in the body today is we have hefty men and women physically strong can move a mountain with their strength, physical strength. But in the spirit, they are nothing for the devil. If the devil sneezes, push! <laughs> they have started. It's the village, uh, the, the old lady from the village. There's no old lady in the village that can touch you if you know who you are in Christ Jesus. Let them do it. They will meet you and meet Jesus. As they are sending, they, they are free to send. But the Holy Ghost <laughs> will be the check. How do I recover from spiritual famine? There's no point I tell you the problem and don't give you no solution. Number one is desire. Number one. You, but for you to desire, for desire to come, you must first of all acknowledge there's a problem. Acknowledge there's a problem and have a genuine desire for a change. The Bible says greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. There's more to your life than the substance in your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Your cars, your money, your bank account, all of that, the day you die. In fact, people that didn't know how you labored are the ones that will enjoy that money. So I'm saving. I continue saving it. 
As they will continue saving. I'm not saying live recklessly and don't have any savings. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, Psalm 51 verse 1. Psalm 51 verse 1. This is David after his sin with uh, Bathsheba. He said, have mercy on me, O God. That's awareness. I'm in a dire strait. I'm in trouble because I have sinned against you. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. He recognized the problem. He identified the problem. And he acknowledged the problem. Verse 4, he says, against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be right. No, you will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. It's not, it's not saying, oh God, you are unfair. No, no, no. He said, your judgment against me is fair. Verse 12, he then went on to say, say, restore unto me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Say, I have gone against you. I have gone on my own way. I've done, I'm doing my own thing. But I want to come back to you. I want to come back to the heart of worship. I want to come back to God. Say, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. I, I, I corrected this at the Festival of Life service. Some people say, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. You have no salvation. In fact, if you have any, it will be fake news. The only worthy salvation is the one that Jesus has given to us. Number two, very quickly, how do I overcome spiritual famine? The Trinity. Run to the Godhead. Run to the Trinity. Uh, the, the Trinity. The Father, God the Father. Psalm 50, I know, Isaiah 58, verse 11. Isaiah 58, verse 11. It says, the Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Run back to God. Come back to him. Come back to him. There's no satisfaction, no eternal joy or satisfaction in all these mundane things we're running after. They're good. They're important. Looking good is good business. You know? Uh, not a bad package. You know? It's good. It's good. I like it myself. But there is more. Somebody said there is more. Beyond all of this, Beyond all of this is an eternity, a time without end. There's an eternity beyond all of this. What will be your reward in eternity? Psalm 107 verse 9, it says, For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. God will fill you with good things. Amen. Jesus, Jesus, we're talking about restoration from famine. Jesus, 1 John chapter 6, verse 32, 33, 35, and 58. I'm going to read very quickly. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. 
He didn't give you no manner. Moses, can, Moses cannot make anything happen. Period. Is what he's saying to them. My father did. God is the one that satisfied your hunger. God is the one that can quench your thirst. He says, my father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Verse 35, Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Jesus is the one that can satisfy. It's the one that can quest, that can quench your thirst and quench your hunger. Jesus, there is no help, no save, no salvation in any other name. But Romans tells us that. There is no salvation in any other name. Salvation simply means to be delivered from something, to be saved, to be rescued from something. There is no salvation in any other name outside of the name of Jesus. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never thirst, will never be thirsty. I am the true bread of life, verse 58, that, come, that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats of this bread will not die as your ancestors, ancestors did. Amen. Even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. The last one there is the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Jesus said to them, John chapter 14, uh, when you read verse 16, it started in verse 16. He said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Verse 26, it says, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything, and he will remind you of everything I have told you. That word advocate is a very important word. It's a, it's a verb at the same time an adjective. Paracletos. Amen? And the noun form of it, paraclete, means helper, comforter, advocate. An advocate is someone that goes with you to court and stands in your place to defend you before the judge. Says he has given us an advocate, the Holy Spirit. I want you to please rise to your feet this morning. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We encourage you to fellowship with us here at Salvation Center if you are in the San Antonio area. For more information, visit our website at www.rccgsanantonio.org. There's an old song we